guys. I am Barry 2000, the Marillion robot. I am here to apologize for the occasional microphone tapping noise in the first 40 minutes of this episode. Anyway, enough from me. I am off to go through the bins at the Racket Club to see what I can find. Now over to Paul and Sanya for this week's fun. Hello and welcome to Between You and Me, the world's only Marillion podcast apart from the Corona Diaries, which features Steve Hogarth, the singer of Marillion. I'm Paul Rose and I'm here once again with my dear wife, Sanya. Hello. Why do you do that? I don't know. Hi. It's a weird low energy start to the episode. I <laughs> know. For what is quite a high energy album. Yes. We're creating lovely contrast. I thought you were going to say lovely content. That too. <laughs> We're creating lovely content that here. That too. Do you remember last week when I was playing Devil's Advocate and I said that Marillion with Radiation were trying to appeal to Radiohead's audience and trying to send out a signal that like, we're a bit like Radiohead. Because and it started with Ray D. Yeah. Yeah. I had completely forgot that these chains, the only single release from this album, the B-side of that was a cover of Radiohead's Fake Plastic Trees. No way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so you Now, so you last be- week were like, nah, they're not. Now you're believing your theory even more. I'm certain of it, yeah. Yes, before we go any further, I wanted to uh, apologise for something from last week as well. And that, because I think we upset at least one person. Uh, wow, we've turned into the Corona Diaries where... <laughs> <laughs> H is having to apologise to people that he's potentially slandered. Well, he's our he's our kindred spirit. Um, yeah, and it was when we were talking about the vaccines, and even though we'd had one dose, we still, we got, still got we still got COVID, and were a little bit like, oh. But it was um, tongue in cheek. Yeah, the point is, it's it like was the thing is, we still got our vaccine we're still going for our second one and we're going tomorrow actually. we're very pro vaccine yeah sorry if that so rubs anyone up sometimes when we say things we forget in the moment to make it clear that it was a joke mm. or put a disclaimer like don't believe everything we're saying um yeah but because but if we try and do that we'd end up doing it the whole time and, and it's the death but of i think that would have that. been an important topic to make clear that because it's a sensitive to- topic. Mm. So please accept our apologies if anyone else was upset by our, our irreverent attitude. Yeah, please accept Sandy's apologies. I apologise oh, apologize for nothing. <laughs> that was a joke. There you go. Disclaimer. Happy? Yeah. Um, right. Radiation. Do you want to hear some quotes from um, Steve Hogarth about radiation? Yes, please. You'd love to, wouldn't you? I would. He was asked how the album created an atmosphere that was simultaneously relaxed and at the same time sad. (laughs) But this was a guy called uh, Roger Lottring. Anyway, um, in an interview entitled A Conversation with Steve Hogarth, uh, H laughed and said, that's a good question. Uh, Simultaneously relaxed and sad is probably the answer to that question. What? Hang on. Sorry. What? It's relaxed? Uh, yeah. Do you experience radiation as relaxed? Nope. Neither do I. I suppose you could say Born to Run and Now She'll Never Know. A couple of songs. Are. Yeah, a couple of songs, but like a lot of the songs are quite upbeat. Anyway, Ace, well, Ace said that relaxed and sad is a frame of mind I'm generally in. 
I sort of have an underlying sadness in my psyche, which is often running parallel to goofing around or actually outwardly seeming very lighthearted. When I write, it's the sadness and the introspection and the pain really that come through in the words. When we sit down and jam and arrange the songs, then the feeling that's actually going on in the studio tends to infuse itself into the music. I think what happened, and I think he's talking about radiation here, was that when I wrote a lot of those words, I was going through a really low point in my life. I had some domestic problems and a lot of pain that were coming out in the words. When we came to put the songs together as a band, the atmosphere in the studio, which was quite relaxed and a cool one, infused its way in. And that's why there's an intriguing sort of paradox between what the words are saying and the kind of vibe that comes off the music, which is actually in places quite lighthearted. So relaxed mm. is perhaps not the word that the um, <clears throat> interviewer meant. meant. Perhaps he meant the fact that there's more of a sort of laid back feel to songs like Under the Sun. True. Which, uh, yes. and if you, if you remember as well, on the original mix of the album, there were those kind of between song moments of sort of banter, Three Minute Boy. The original version of that ends with a load of stupid noises that the band are making, all going, <laughs> like that. So, yeah, which, which I'm very glad they took out because <laughs> it was a bit, bit annoying. So the interviewer also said, it's a really interesting ride to listen to this album and have it pull off such diverse emotions from a listener's point of view. And H replied, I'm sure it must. I find our albums quite difficult to listen to, to be honest, for that reason. For me, it's even worse because it sort of takes me to all the places I was at when I was writing the words. I have all that baggage to contend with as well when I listen to them. So I tend to leave them alone. Mm. What is interesting about this album for me is I think it marks a turning point in his lyrics Bearing in mind, there's only one song on here that, that has a John Helmer credit. Which one's that? Cathedral Wall. And it's a co-credit. I know, sharp and take a breath, Cathedral Wall. So anyone know how you feel about it? I've <laughs> given it a big chance since we last recorded. I've been listening to it a lot more. The rest of the album is, for the first time since he joined, well, the album as a whole is primarily H's words. So from that point of view, it's... Uh, a real step forward in terms of his sort of ownership over the band. Unfortunately, it's a step that he then stepped back from on Marillion.com. Did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. um, I mean, I'm sure you'll explain I, why. Yeah, we'll get to .com, but .com compared really to this album. I'm surprised by that. I think two things were going on for me when I first listened to this album. Mm. One was I was going through my own marital difficulties in my first marriage, oh. which I'd forgotten about until last night when I was listening to it again prior to knowing we were recording today. So did listening to it bring up emotions for you at the time? At the time? Yes. Yeah, and I'll go through the specific songs. I mean, it's slightly different. I mean, I, th I think we beat around the bush about what was going on in H's marriage. I think... I, I think it's probably okay to, to make the leap that we assume that he may have been unfaithful. Uh, what was different in my marriage is that Without going into detail, I was perhaps the wounded party um, at the time. So I couldn't entirely relate to his to point his of view. Oh. But there were things in there that um, some of the lyrics of these chains, for instance, as mm. I was, you know, 1998 when this album came out, was mm, at that point, up to that point, the toughest year of my life. Because, uh, you know, I 
found out certain things in February that year that um, that yeah were basically kind of hand grenades off in my life, um, and so there were. I I suppose I I. I could say related is the wrong word, but there were certain themes on this album that that felt very real and prescient and kind of raw, raw and in the moment mm. for me. Were they uncomfortable? Yeah. Or, or did it? Help? Yeah. Or was it uncomfortable or was it cathartic for No, you? no, no. It was uncomfortable. But uncomfortable in a, oh, I get this sort of way. Mm. Uh, I understand what's going on in that home, I suppose. Um and again, not from the point of view of, of being the perpetrator of any pain. Um, but I suppose, uh, so so it, it, it became weirdly quite a personal album for me, which I, for, I don't know at how time. at the time. Um, and I don't entirely... Well, that's really surprising after last week. Well, last week, look, I was being devil's advocate. I right. Was you were saying, sort of representing the... Majority of fans. I was. Opinion. I was also stuff. Look, I didn't have one reaction to this album. I found it quite a complicated album because the stuff I said last week, I was also feeling about them trying to sound younger and trying to, you know, grasp a zeitgeist that that was already moved on. I believed all that too. At the same time, I sort of was surprised how much I liked the album because it was very different. Then I had all this personal stuff as well that that kind of fed into it. And then on top of that, what happened with this album, I think for me, was I went, oh, right, I get what Marillion are doing now. Every album is completely different to the last one. So I think it sort of set me up to kind of be okay with being surprised by Marillion albums, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes Um, perfect sense. Mm -hmm. I was surprised by it because it doesn't sound anything like Meridian before, but it doesn't sound like them in a, I don't know. Um, it was, I don't know, TSE was, I found boring. I don't think you could accuse this album of being boring. No. No matter what you yeah. think of the songs or I'd whatever. I hope not, because I didn't find it boring in the slightest. No. Um, I find it a really interesting album. Mm. Um I don't think it necessarily sounds like a Marillion album for large parts of it, but then there's parts of it that I kind of go, yeah, that's really Marillion. So, yeah, the other thing to talk about, I think, before we get into the songs are the two different versions of the album. Mm-hmm. Because it was the album that whenever Marillion were asked if you could go back and reproduce or remix or remaster one of your albums, which one would it be? And the band always said Radiation. And so they did in 2013 with um, Mike Hunter instead of the original mix, which was themselves and Stuart Every. We've both listened to both versions. You can't tell the difference. (laughs) I can tell a slight difference. It wouldn't have been enough to put me off the album. No, and it didn't me. I'm going to be honest with all of those people out there who kind of go the 2013 version is vastly different. I I, I mean, Um, I, I only listened to the 2013 version, really. The other one, I just gave it a little listen to see if I could... If it, how bad it was. Well, look, it's not bad. But the um, 2013 version is better. Yeah, broadly for me, I prefer the 2013 version. Yeah. However, I think there's something about the original mix. Some of those little moments between songs, I think it's a shame they've gone. 
the jury's out for me as to whether I prefer the original version of the answering machine or the 2013 version, because in the original H, his vocals were processed as if they were on an answering machine. I miss the wall of sound, primal scream, kind of white noise thing at the beginning. That, I think, was a shame that it went. I miss the reprise of these chains at the end of Cathedral Wall. I think Born to Run, and perhaps to a degree now she'll never know i think were better on the original mix because they were slightly warmer mm. uh the 2013 version yes there's more space and more sort of definition between the instruments uh and his voices but but it strips away a little bit of the soul for so me. you would actually for certain reasons prefer the original version for s- certain songs yeah oh wow and certain moments i think it was a I think it was a bold attempt to create an album that sounded a little bit grungy by their standards, Mm. which it did, but not grungy in a good way. (laughs) There's going to be various quotes peppered throughout this ep. Uh, Hat off to our good friend Fraser Marshall um, from Marillion Explanations of Song Elements, whose website I stole some of these from. Um, Surprisingly few uh, contemporary interviews online that I could find to do with this album. Oh, what, do you know why that is? Is that because they didn't have a... Yeah, probably label. didn't have a... Well, I had a label. Not a label. <laughs> What's it called? They record have, company. They didn't have a record company that cared. That's what they had. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the interviews made at the time was by me. So I would love to find <laughs> that if anyone can dig out the Teletext pages from... The Teletext Planet Sound pages from wow. whenever in 1998. So, first track, we might as well class Costa del Slough and Under the Sun as one song, because they effectively are. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? What do you think about these two songs? Um, darkly fun, because it's not, you know, I mean, the topic isn't isn't the lovely, not loveliest, do, the do topic you, isn't the most, oh, I haven't got, my brain's not working. He's singing about how great it would be uh, if global warming happens and the ice caps melt, do you think that at the end of this oh, song, is that what? yeah, do you think you should at the end of the song have said this is a joke? Do you think you should have said that? <laughs> put a little disclaimer well, I mean, in case anyone took him seriously. Do you think you should have done that, Tanya? You're, you're ignoring me. You're literally no, ignoring I'm me because you know I'm, I'm like, a did he? Is that really what it is? Because I mean, obviously, it's about global warming. I wrote, it seems to be about global warming. Yeah. I think that's quite safe to. It's a comedic flip side to season's end and. And how, uh, okay, so this is in my notes I've written, seems to be about global warming and how it is rapidly changing in England's climate in particular, and also about how most people seem to have a somewhat blasé attitude to it or turn a blind eye to it as long as they don't have to leave their comfort zones. So it's all, and then I wrote, it's almost as if the people in the song are enjoying it, but I thought, (laughs) (laughs) which confused me, which confused me, but then I thought maybe they're saying how, it's going to happen because people at the moment don't care. They don't yeah. care. They're just kind of going, yeah, well, if it happens, it happens. I'm surprised so, you, had, you had so much to say about the lyrics. Yeah, I, I even quoted. <laughs> I can't believe you had so much. melting suits me fine. We go to the beach on the northern line. It's just a jokey song. Is it? Well, I mean... The- I thought he was trying to send a message with it. Well, I suppose. I mean, the, the, the line that is the serious line is what's wrong with the odd melaloma. If it gets if it, sort yeah, out, out of a coma. Slough, but, yeah. Uh, which Costa del Slough is an interesting one. Oh, we'll talk about what it sounds like after we, we discuss the lyrics. But, yeah. Um, uh, 
I, I just don't think there's too much to read into it. It's it's just a tongue-in-cheek song about global warming, which, you know, here we are, what, 25 years later. It's not so f- fun now, is it? Climate you know change, what? not global warming. Sorry, you know if you what? call it climate change, that's that's more correct than global warming. Mm. Just want to make that clear before anyone complains that it's not called global warming. But that's not how I read the song. I thought he's taking it seriously, but he's saying a lot of people are too scared to leave their comfort zones Mm. and make the changes necessary. Wow. And actually, let's not put the blame on normal people. The blame is also mainly on the corporations who don't want to change their practices to make their their industrial (laughs) practices more climate-friendly. Yes, yeah, so it's just a bit. Of, just so it's just a bit. Of, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Should it's just a little just bit of fun. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's a weird, weird couple of songs. But it's I a weird think. topic to have fun around. Well, yeah, it is. It's like you know, let's do it. Well, well we also, can't talk. Uh, actually, fine. No, let's just. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. It's like making a fun song about burning a cat or something. <laughs> no, that's that's horrible. Yeah. Okay. It was the first thing that came into my head. That's awful. Well, it would be awful. My point is, it would be an awful thing to make a funny song about. Mm. Yeah, so it starts with that distorted vocal, which Live used to sing through a megaphone. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, cool. That was cool, that was. Uh, it's completely different to any Meridian song up to this point. It's got a little bit of, uh, I suppose, Hard as Love in there. Yes, it does. But... But I like it more than Hard as Me love. too. It's But that chugging Rothers guitar, that... That that's him trying to sound modern and different, and it's got that sort of theremin keyboard as well going through it, which I really love. I don't love it as a song, but I quite like it. I like the I mean? sound of it. Yeah, I loved um, in Costa del Slough the vintage radio sound yeah, at the yeah, beginning, yeah. the acoustic guitar, mm. and then the in Under the Sun the electric guitar solo at two minutes that kind of then the song morphs into something a bit more psychedelic. Yeah. Ah, uh, sounded... Okay, I could be wrong because I'm not this familiar with his work. It sounded a bit Jimi Hendrixy, And I thought, oh, that would be so awesome to listen to live. Well, that's interesting you say that because there is a song on Meridian.com that they described as Jimi Hendrixy. Really? Or they described... Or H. Here we go. H uh, described it as Hendrix-esque uh, prior to the album coming out. And I listened to it and I went, yeah, okay, mate. <laughs> all right mate you, you keep telling yourself that anyway uh but back to this it's um it, yeah i think it's this album's cannibal surf babe i think that's mm. what they were trying to yeah. recapture okay something I get what that you was mean. a kind of party song a bit fun bit tongue-in-cheek yes. bit yes. rocky but rocky in a kind of playful way mm. which would you prefer this or cannibal surf babe cannibal surf babe I think that does it better. But this isn't mm. far off. It's fun. I think I'd, I'd probably choose, between the two, I'd choose Under the Sun. Mm. Next track, Answering Machine. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> it's my plastic pipe. <laughs> All right, then. So originally, this uh, originally Answering Machine was a kind of folky, death row toll type song. Uh, which the original version of it you can hear as an album that they a live album that they put out after Radiation called Unplugged at the Walls, which is one of their best, if not their best, live album that they ever did, which is basically an acoustic album. And the original version of this appears on that. What do you think it's about before we talk about the music? Oh, okay. Well, 
Because I'm going to say it now, I find this a really, I think it's an amazing lyric, um, and I find it a really perplexing lyric. And on top of that, Fraser Marshall doesn't do an explanation for it on his website because he thinks it's self-explanatory. I don't mm. think it entirely is. I'm glad that you're letting me guess before you explain it because I'm not 100% well, I don't, sure. I don't know, nor am I. This is a, we're, in this be, is, we're in beyond you territory for me. Um, oh, firstly, I wanted to mention... My favourite line was when he says, we flew here to see you, my feelings and I. Yeah. If you just take that, those lyrics, he could be talking about his audience or a loved one or a friend, but that those lines are such a succinctly evocative way of, exp- of expressing his personality. Like that is just so evocative of who he is, my feelings and I. Mm. Just those few words, you learn that he's an emotional globetrotter, someone who maybe has a lot of or troubled emotions or just very varied emotions. Um, I'm not too sure what the song is about. Overall, it sounds like it's about somebody trying to make amends for a heartbreak or some sort of conflict in a relationship. But when he gets to talk to them in person, they seem to be impenetrable and cold which is described beautifully in the lyrics a heartbreak of a statue in the bulletproof mirrors where your eyes used to be yeah i love um, that's my favorite like the bulletproof mirrors where your yeah, eyes used to be yeah it's like that wow so poetic just but that for me is so evocative yeah so despite traveling many miles to have a heart to heart in person with this person uh, he ends up just spilling his guts into an answering machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how they end up communicating because communicating in person is too difficult. Whoever he's, the song is about is, is too blocked off from listening to him at the moment. It's still too hurt. That's my first guess. Okay. And now you can tell me it's like about, I don't know. Like... I, I think you're close. Yeah. But I think the answering machine is the person that he's trying to reconcile with. Oh, because at the end... Oh, I need the lyrics up. I've got them. Because at the end he was like... Where I thought it was him travelling to talk to the person in person was... I came 2,000 miles just to take a look at you, but you were broken and frozen, a heartbreak of a statue, blah, blah, blah. The day slipped by and I tried and I tried. You took me home and you said, good night, sleep tight, on the floor by the bedroom door. So, that you know, it was like, yeah, sure, you can come and stay, but then... But stay on the couch. Um, But at the end he said... Because I'm no good for you and you're no good for me. Let me talk to the answering machine. I can cope with the answering machine. I'm a friend of the answering machine. So he's letting, this is how I'm reading into it. He's letting his feelings out onto an answering machine because it's safer than having a live conversation, whether that's on the phone or in person. It's safe to just leave a message in the way that if you write a letter to someone, they can't interrupt you. You might be right, but I took it as the answering machine was a metaphor for someone who is closed off machine like because and I look it's a very the reason why sorry to keep talking about my previous marriage in this episode but when after slightly too long after 1998 that I finally said enough was enough I knew that the only way I could do it was to shut myself down and was to be the emotionally, answer, emotionally or at least outwardly mm. was to you know bulletproof mirrors where my eyes used to be and and to be cold and machine like like an answering machine and the final moment i'm sure i've told you this sorry to tell all our listeners all my personal business but you know it was quite a while ago now uh 
was a really difficult day where I was playing on my Xbox rather than engage with my ex-wife who was angry and raging at me and accusing me of things and all of this. And I just didn't respond to it. I stuck playing my game because, because I knew if I allowed that in, there was a chance I might not do what ultimately was the right thing to do. And that was end the marriage. Mm. I had to become a machine. You know, I had to be cold and frozen and all those things that the song talks about. I, I, so you're li- like the answering machine is listening and recording, but yeah. it's not responding. Yeah. So you're hearing what they're saying, but you're not responding. And that was, that's what I response. take from the song. Oh, okay. Um, and it was incredibly difficult. And I still, to this day, feel bad about it. I mean, you know, as you know, get on fine with my ex. But I, I, I didn't want to, if I opened myself up and kind of let that defence down, I knew it could turn into an emotional discussion or argument or something else. And I knew it was the only way to do it. It was, you know, that cruel to be kind thing. Hmm. And it was hard. So that's what I take from the song, that Hmm. the answering machine isn't a literal answering machine. It's a person. But I could be wrong because I'm obviously bringing a lot of baggage to this song. Hmm. Musically then. Musically. Again, very upbeat and electric. I could really notice the drums and what I thought were psychedelic sitar sounds in the background, but maybe it's the theremin, no? Well, I don't think there's a literal theremin on the album. I think it's No, I mean, but like keyboards. the keyboard being used. It's, to me, it sounded like the keyboard was being used as a like. Oh, a that sitar. kind of... Yeah. yeah. Noise. And there was kind of some... There was also some space AG keyboard sounds in the background, yeah. which all add to the energy and the, that creates that expresses the chaotic emotions. Mm. I love it. Am I right in saying it sounds a little bit Beatles-y? I th- yeah, here's what I find really interesting with this song and this version of the song. Although I like the acoustic version probably a bit more as a song or piece of music, I do appreciate how kind of wonky and off-kilter this version is. Yeah, it, but it, it mirrors his emotions exactly. at the time. It feels like the song's broken Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, it feels like the song's sort of, I don't know, playing slightly the wrong speed or something. Yeah. Uh, and it works. And I th- I think it's closest to, in terms of other songs that they've done, the song from Marbles called Drilling Holes, which is where, again, they tried to go for that Beatles-y, experimental, kind of off-kilter mm. music bed. And here, though, I think it's far more successful than mm. Drilling Holes. Mm. Um, here, because here it really sort of matches the as you say, the, the emotions, the emotions of the this emotions yeah. of, of someone who's desperately trying to repair a relationship mm. and not being given the anything back in return. Mm. I think it's a absolute gut punch of a song. Absolutely. A lot of the lyrics on this whole album are so poetic. And if, if this is what they're doing on the new album in terms of it being up-tempo with bringing a, a more substantial lyrics to sort of the more up-tempo songs, I'm all for that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. So, next one. Three Minute Boy. Okay. The song that slightly winds me up on two levels. One, because the lyric I find really cynical and bitter. And two, because I actually really like the song. (laughs) And once again, by the way, let's just say it. Hello, Beatles. Three Minute Boy. 
well, come on, the ending. Yeah, even even live that that outro, they turn it into Hey Jude. Oh, yeah. he even does it in in the song. If you listen to it, he even does a bit of Hey Jude in it. Which bit? It's just in the background. He's answering machine a little bit Beatlesy. Yeah, this is. And you're like, well, the three minute boy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, all right. It's the Beatles. Go. Going into it lyrically. Um, all right, I just have to put it out there. This isn't one of my favourites on the album, I know. and it has never been one of my favourite songs. I know. But after having listened to it a few times, it's all right. It's all right. I don't dislike it. And it's more about the lyrics than the music. Uh, why I don't you like too. it. Yeah, same. I'm guessing it's once again about the nature and dangers of fame and how you can lose yourself mm. in it. It can ruin relationships and blah, blah, blah. That sort of stuff. Oh, I've got a confession that I don't think I'm a fan of when Marillion does songs about fame, except for Hollow Man. I... I don't even know. I don't, I don't think Hollow Man's specifically about fame. I don't tend to enjoy them. And no. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I can't relate. To, I just can't connect or care no. about I, them I don't much. like it. And when, they grate yeah. on me a little bit. I'm the same. I don't like it. When, I don't even think we need to dissect the lyrics here. Okay. You know. Yeah, I, no, neither do I. You know, it's just like, It's you know, a song that he... About, yeah. I'll... I'll Recent quotes and let him defend himself a bit. Yeah, okay. But, but and I'm just talking about the lyrics because the sound I love. Right, yeah. So then yeah, same, put same. that together and it's and it's a song that I'm okay with. Yeah. Even though it's not a favourite. I don't hate it because and I've written down here, um while I like the sound of this song, it seems to give you a better experience if you don't look at the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. It seems like he's bitter about the fact that Oh look at look at what Oasis having their their three minute long hit singles. Oh, look at Liam Gallagher getting on the cover of the face with his new wife Patsy Kensit. Well, but that's not going to last, yeah, is gonna it? Be the last thing yeah. I mean, this isn't oh. how I read oh, it at so, all. They're but... all so superficial, aren't they? Oh, I hate that. And it's like on the other hand, <laughs> that's not how I experience. It's how I experience. And then on the other hand, it's like H, mate, you're love a number one single. You'd love to be Liam Gallagher. Don't bloody pretend we know you would have killed to be liam gallagher don't freaking pretend otherwise okay bloody bloody oh That's, yeah that so is it, not how i it wound me up at the time wise me up still i can see but he was going through a rough time he probably was bitter and angry and probably was bitter and angry that he'd accidentally joined marillion rather <laughs> than a, a band that was having hits yeah hmm that's my take on it. Fair enough. Yeah. It's... I mean, that's not my take on it. I, mine's a lot less personal than that. It's just more like, oh, the dangers of fame. Look what happens. Ugh. Here's a story of someone. Oh, but it's full and, of these horrible it's just like, lines. Ugh. Like, another tune we almost remembered. Yeah, that's... Okay. Oh, ow, that's cut. That's salty. It's bitchy as hell. <laughs> bitchy AF. Have Marillion ever written a song that has kind of... Uh, kind of captured the, the national mood like Wonderwall business as usual sex and drugs again anyway who cares anyway <laughs> who cares I don't care I anyway I'm not a fan of right, the fame right, yeah. songs I'm not, not I me. don't like King not really a massive fan of Gaspacho for me the only we're in a band song of theirs that I lyrically really like is The Leavers that's not about fame, though, is it? It's, no, that's but about it's about being, being a in a band. You sort of said maybe it's because you can't relate. That's, that's different, though. I don't see The Leavers as a song about fame. 
it's a song about being a performer and traveling. It's very different. Okay. It's not like, oh, be careful. No, I know. But yeah, the cautionary fame songs are. Yeah, just... the court. The, okay, yeah, you said it. You said it right then. It's the cautionary fame songs yeah. that just might. Okay. Can't don't relate. care. I don't crave. <laughs> yeah, I don't crave fame, so can't I can't. Relate. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So look, musically, um, I do really like it, and I yeah, think, me too. I, and I think it, me too. it's it's actually I think one of their best live songs because mm. that outro. Yeah, the outro. They extend great. it, and it's often if they play it as the last song in the set, they, you know, the audience will take up the. <laughs> um, okay. No, sorry, that got I got carried away, but yeah, the audience will you know, pick up the baton and sing that without the yeah. band even on stage or playing anything. And it's great when that happens. Yeah. Um, There's like an epicness in the sound that starts towards the end of the song. Builds about, about, builds. I, I think it's from about two minutes, 50 onwards. Yeah. It just builds and it's, oh, and the electric guitar. Which again. Love the electric but guitar. The guitar again sounds nothing like Rothers has played before. No. It's, it's he's totally ditched his old sound, sound on this album. And although I admit I do miss it, and I still miss it to this day because it's been, it's very rare that he's ever after this album gone back to it that often. No, really? Yeah. I, oh, I, do you know what I really how, miss? This is something that stood out from Radiation for me was how good the electric guitar is. That's yeah, great. But I do miss his 80s, uh, you know, doing the delay thing with his, you know, that he used oh, to do on Misplaced and Clutch yeah. and Strawn. I really miss that because I thought he didn't write sound him, like anyone write else. Write him a letter and say... I really miss your delay thing on the guitar. Please, Can could you, you write one song for me, please? Steve, could you please use the delay pedal on the next album, please, Steve? Just once, Steve. Please, please, just please, once. Please. I just want to hear it uh, for a few minutes. A little bit of delay and reverb on your on your electric guitar, Steve. They'll be talking about this on uh, Reddit. I listened to an episode of the Beyond Pod podcast and they spend ten minutes doing a high-pitched voice imploring Steve Rothery to use a delay pedal. And then when they finished doing that, they started making fun of me and the, my voice, I, complaining about them. I don't talk like this. I've got a normal voice. <laughs> I'm not a humorless twat. <laughs> no, I'm going to read some H quotes now. Yes. There's a lot of H quotes. He says he was trying to create something that had the feel of, you know, like an outtake from Hunky Dory, David Bowie album. I know you're not familiar with it. And he said, I made the point to the mixing engineer too, too, that was Stuart Everett. And he said, I want it to sound like Hunky Dory at the beginning. And then I want it to turn into Hey Jude at the end. So, oh. so this was back when H used to have him put into the music of Marillion, <laughs> like on the new album, but, but apparently. Um, so is, is that... Does that relate to, like, the kind of space-agey sounds in the background? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't hear a lot of hunky-dory in it. So he said he, he it was an attempt to condense rock and roll anthropology, the story of the rock and roll life from day one. There you go. So it starts out painting this little picture of this kid who writes a song with his mates just for a laugh, and it becomes a massive hit, and he becomes a big star, and everywhere he goes, it's on the radio, and he's suddenly hailed as a great talent or as the next big thing. He also says there's loads of irony in it because I was trying to paint this standard picture of what rock and rollers do and have always done. Because when I was a kid, the Beatles were the biggest thing, and the way the Beatles lived their lives, everything the Beatles did became a kind of cliche of rock and roll later on. Marrying the model of the artist, leaving the first wife and going off with the creative one, telling the magazines and newspapers how in love we are and giggling is something that kind of happened all over again, time and time again. 
Most recently, I was thinking of Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher. Oh. No shit there, H. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I bet you were. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Liam marrying an actress who'd once been in a movie you couldn't quite remember. And the sense of needing to conform to the rock and roll lifestyle to marry the model and to get married in the registry office. Um... <sighs> So he says, uh, I was thinking of Lennon and I was thinking of Barry and I was thinking of Oasis and I was thinking of myself. Um, so I filled the song uh, full of little one-liners that are nicked from other people's songs as well. There are things in there that are nicked from other songs. Some of them I've lifted straight out. Oh. Uh, there's a disguised or paraphrased mishmash of popular music throughout the last two or three decades and the damage done. Oh, that's interesting. It's about all of us. It's about me, but it's not about me because my life doesn't quite conform to that story. No, I, we know, and that's why I think you've written it, but I may be wrong. Um, it's when I say stuff like that, that's why I know we'll never be interviewed in the web magazine. Yeah, and also why it makes me cringe if you say I'm going to invite H to be on the podcast. I'm like, I don't want him to listen to like all the yeah, bits. Yeah, well. <laughs> That's why we probably shouldn't. Uh, It's a story about a kid who was quite lonely and never used to have any fun. Whatever funny witness tended to be on TV. Other people used to... Okay, this goes on a bit. Anyway, so there we are. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, no, it's a really long quote where he just keeps repeating himself. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, add salt to the wound. Okay, well, whatever. We can talk. We repeat ourselves all the time. True. At least we own it. (laughs) Do we? Yeah. So I think... This was one of the songs that I kind of went, okay, they're sound, trying to sound a bit like Oasis. Right. While at the same time sort of having a dig at Oasis. Right. Uh, which did did get under my skin a bit. But in terms of sort of let's do a Hey Jude style song, Oasis had done one the year before called All Around the World. Um, so Meridian were once again slightly out of step with what was, uh, what was fashionable. But if you take it out of that time frame and just listen to it now... Mm. Yeah, in isolation. What it is, it's great. It's a great song. Now she'll never know. She won't, will she? She won't now. (laughs) Now you've done it. Now she'll never know. This song's been stuck in my head all day. All day. Well, it's got that um, catchy chorus that goes, and now she'll never know. Do, do, do. Yeah, I mean, it's bizarre <laughs> because it's not, Hasn't it's not that. one of, it's not a kind of catchy pop song, is it? I think what makes it catchy is that little keyboard motif in the background. Oh. Oh, you see, you didn't even know it was there. Told you it was subtle. Yeah. Yeah. What does it sound like? Listen to it. I'm not going to see okay. it. I, I sing things yeah. and I get them wrong. Oh, the... Da, 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 da. No, I can't do it. Okay. <coughs> we, I, need to li- I need to listen to it's, it. Yeah, well, it's a song um, that's basically just guitar and a little yeah, bit of keyboard and yeah. H's falsetto vocals. Yeah. It's do you like Rother's guitar on this? Yes. Psych! It. It's not Rother's! Who is it? Pete. Pete on guitar? Yeah. Psych! Well done, Pete. Yeah. He's done a great job. Yeah. Why not Rothers? What happened? Um, I think they decided to leave it mm. because they felt Rothers would make it too polished. And I think H fought for it to remain P. Right. Um, just to give it that sort of raw, raw and edge. vulnerable. Matches the emotions in yeah. the song. Yeah, more sort of, yeah, real. Wow. Oh, well, yeah, I do love it. Mm. 
Um, this might be my second favourite song on the album. Same, yeah. yeah. It's the main thing that stands out on this song for me, on the album, but mainly on this song is, wow, I mean, the lyrics are phenomenal. Mm. They're the most They're personal, I think, he's, he's personal, done Personal, but in such a beautifully poetic way. But I think what's different here... Um, there, he's not. It is poetic, but also it's very direct. Yeah. Whereas on certain, well, well, I mean, certain in the past, I think his songs have often been puzzles. That that oh you yes. know. Whereas here, you go that that is no way we don't know what he's saying yeah, about here. Yeah, but in the way that, like he says, in the after silence, oh. fighting leaves behind. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, try yeah, to yeah, think yeah. it over, but my mind's gone blind. Yeah. That's what I mean by poetic. Oh yeah, it's. It's yeah, I guess that that isn't that isn't that is direct. Yeah. You don't have to wonder what he's talking about, but there's still a poetry to it. It's just oh. said so beautifully. Or oh, my favorite line, I love this line. I had to tell, she oh, told me yeah, yeah, to I hell. was about to quote that as and well. And then the pause, and here I am. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean yeah, that's it's got that and then the good genius. Yes. Oh, that's the keyboard motif. That was just wow. Well, this is one of those songs that hit me at the time, particularly the line. Uh, this is it's also probably to a degree, this and these chains together. Mm. Why I ended up, even after the point that the marriage was irretrievably broken or irreparably broken rather um why i stayed because the line who can tell looks like we have a house to sell mm. scared the hell out of me oh oh really the enormity the of aspects. the enormity of that yeah and losing that because here's the thing i think mean, that people don't talk about often but sorry this has become like some sort of marriage therapy thing it's, it's all kind of old news for me now but is is when you've lost something in a relationship to then kind of go, shit, okay, I've, well, I've got to lose my house as well now. Um, mm. Doing that at the same time, you know, losing any sort it's of stability. Yeah, you know, and yeah, on top of that. it's literally the foundations taken out from under yeah, your feet. Yeah, so I ended up staying for a long time afterwards, even though things were bad. Yeah, the, as many uh, people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because it just scared me to sort of lose all... All grounding. In one go. Yeah. yeah. It is scary. So anyway, but I mean, well, I think yes. we know what this is about, don't we? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's you a want song me to about, spell it out. Well, it's a song about guilt, isn't it? I think and regret and... But I like how he's thrown into it. Um, so this is why I wrote anyway. Um, I'm guessing that it's about heartbreak, the heartbreak of a marriage breaking up, presumably because the singer has done something serious to damage the relationship we said that with a question mark um and now his wife has lost all trust and confidence in him and their relationship but this is the bit that made it so heartfelt sad and tragic for me he said now she won't believe me ever again completely now she'll never know or dream how much she means to me oh my goodness that broke my heart because it's like he's saying I still really care about her yeah. but she'll never believe that anymore no, because he's she'll never something. believe anything I say to her it's, it is genuinely heartbreaking yeah. as, a, as a lyric it's tragic and it's real that's that's the it, worst yes. thing we know it's we know it's coming from a real place yeah to put that on the record mm. is and the thing is what makes it 
doubly sad for me, and as I'm talking about this, it's weird. It's sort of like I feel a slight knot in my stomach. Is is knowing going forwards, this story isn't over yet. You know what oh, he's right. going through here. We've got several more albums where this topic keeps really? coming up. You know, you can oh, go no. forwards to. So the only was al- this the beginning of it, or well, no. I mean, there were kind of hints. <laughs> there maybe were hints. In- previous albums there were but this is the first time it's fully it's really addressed yeah it's addressed it's out head there. on it's like this is what i did yeah uh this is the consequence and they, yeah. those consequences continue to reverberate now further down the line we can kind of go well okay some of those lyrics might be historical as in you know they were used oh, years true. after the event but also we also know that's not entirely true because he actually the marriage h's marriage didn't break up until the 2000s. Um, oh. You know, he was still writing about guilt on The Only Unforgivable Thing on Marbles. Um, he was still writing about the eventual breakup on the album Somewhere Else. Uh, so, you know, this went on for a while. Wow. Yeah. Um, he talks about it on the podcast, so I feel okay to a to degree say it, talking yeah. about that the breakup about someone else's you know and also he documented it quite openly on their albums um but it's still it's i find it it if you really listen to this song and let it wash over you and it's such a simple song but so gorgeous for it it's so simple but so effective it's so stark yeah and the the lyrics are stark musically it's just bare bones yeah because yeah. And it works. Um, but if you really let it wash over you, my God, it's powerful, but it's uncomfortable. Mm. And it's a song as well that I don't think gets enough credit. It, it's often, I've seen it, and I've seen it in the last week, when because uh, I, I thought I'd have a look, see what people make of radiation. I looked up some sort of reviews online, and a lot of people saying it's their least favourite track on the album. Really? And some of them saying it's one of their least favourite Meridian songs Ever. overall. And I just think, I think it's one of their best. Yeah, you know, it, sure. it's top tier. I mean, okay, it doesn't have a lot of the complexity musically no. that many of the other songs have, but those lyrics are phenomenal and the music is so perfect with them. And that's so, hence it is actually a complex song in a lot of ways. Exactly. Because it's a song that managed to, is to embody the emotion of what it's about. Mm. Uh and that's not easy. And on, on yeah, the only other thing I will say, at the time, I did kind of go, oh, right, they're trying to write one of those Radiohead-style songs. Got it. Yeah, I kind mm. of... But, but you know, no surprises, stroke fake plastic trees, which they probably were to a degree, but I don't care because it's even more stripped but down. But then it's than, so personal. It's like... Yeah. It's not copying... You can't copy anyone else when you're that raw. Yeah. And the song is that personal. So poor H, but also poor H's wife. Um, but anyway, should we move on? Okay. <laughs> what? No, I don't know. We're just talking about something like really um, emotional. <laughs> you didn't put a disclaimer in. Well, it's a joke. Yeah. Well, no, poor H's wife. That's not a joke. Oh. Poor H's then wife. Well, that's true, actually. Yeah, it's <laughs> not a joke. I actually meant that. Right, these chains... These chains are all your own. Off you go. Um, 
Okay, these chains. It's not the best song ever. It was the single that got to number but, 78. Oh, great. Okay, great. So I picked the single to say it's not the best song ever. Well, oh, but, hang on. Hang on. Marillion, but, no, wait a minute. That's okay because Marillion are terrible at choosing singles. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't forget, Marillion generally, historically, have not chosen the best songs as singles. Oh. Uh, there was also a video that went with this. Oh, interesting. With H stuck at the bottom of a well. Oh, dear. Yeah. Wow. How did he get down there? He fell in. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, Lassie rescued him. Did he? Oh. Lassie the dog. Did he? Lassie. Lassie. She. Did, did, yeah, that's it. Did she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lassie. <laughs> My God, did he? Anyway, I said, it's not the best song ever, but it is a nice song to listen to. And it's kind of inoffensive. Uh-huh. Uh, lyrically, it felt like a perfect continuation in time from Now She'll Never Know. Because, again, it had a lot of nice pers... Not nice. It had a lot of... There's nothing nice yeah, in the lyrics sorry. on this song. I know, sorry. They're sorry. horrible lyrics. That just came out. And I don't... I mean it, horrible in a... They're, they're decent yeah. lyrics, but it's a horrible... No, I didn't mean nice. I yeah. meant it has some more great personal lyrics, not nice. Like, these chains are all your own. These chains are comfortable. The cage. This cage was never locked, born free, but scared to be... That was the, Isn't that, that a great yeah. continuation from... Well, is um, it, is it, though? I think... Now she'll never know. Because these were the lyrics that I kind of went, shit, so I I could leave, uh, but I was too scared to. You <laughs> know, I related to these lyrics. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing but is, that's though... A, but but wait, I think it fits perfectly with yes, Now it She'll does. Never Know, because it's like... But, but I, uh, I, you know, look, I don't want to... Uh, guess what was going on in H's marriage or his life or whatever, but this is me extrapolating from what's in the lyrics. Right. H, it felt like, with these chains being a song about being trapped in a life you're in. Yes. In this case, it seemed like a marriage. Yes. Uh, and wanting to escape and realising you can, you can escape. Yeah. Uh, which is great for anyone trapped in a relationship that's not perfect. However, H... <laughs> I think we can make a guess that he probably didn't behave the best way always as a husband. Uh, and so this song comes from what feels like a selfish place. Unless it's Whereas, written from his wife's perspective. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Do you know something? Well, I know kind of what he says it's about. But oh, okay. whereas I kind of, my reaction to it was... You know, I'm, I've been broken by the marriage mm. and I need to get out for the sake of my health mm-hmm. and for the sake of my kids and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I've been broken by the other party. Mm-hmm. Whereas H, it felt like he was the one. He was the one that broke the marriage. The marriage. Again, so then- I feel really bad doing all this because it's talking about someone else's life. Uh, and it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. But he has put this into his lyrics. And but we're that's what. Here to... Okay, let's say it's not about him. That is what the previous songs seem to be saying. <laughs> Answering and, Machine. And other songs. Answering Machine did seem to be about someone who had broke, had done something to break a relationship and was trying to, and was trying to make amends. So maybe it's not H necessarily himself, but whoever the song is about. Let's do that. Let's Let's protect ourselves by saying. It could be about, you know, it could be like 
torch, you know, in the in <laughs> Tragic Straws. Torch, torch which torch. of course was definitely not fish. It was definitely it was definitely not fish. Oh, so I forgot about let's torch. say this is a oh, bring torch hashtag bring torch. So this back. is about um, a singer for for a band, and his name is Jay. <laughs> Jay or Kay. Jay, what is that thing? Okay, we're not doing that. So it's it. This is this is another Shameless Beatles ripoff. Let's say that musically. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it, I hear that. it is. It's really Beatlesy. Yeah. Oh, uh, can I just say the change in music when we get to the bit that starts with Dawn was breaking? That was so exquisite. Yeah, well, it's one of two songs on the album about so insomnia. Subtle. Oh, right. Dawn was... Oh, so it wasn't metaphorical. No, it's one It was of... like literally Dawn was breaking. Yeah, the other one is Cathedral Wall. Ah, um, it's subtle, but... Yeah. yeah, I just thought it, it gives the words he sings such a boost of energy and... Mm. Power. I've got to find a different word for this. Power. Is this is one of the songs though I think really benefits from the remix. I think it's way better on the the 2013 version because the original always felt a bit weedy. That's it's got what I that, was listening to. It's got that synth brass sound on it, which is not perfect, but it is improved on the remix. Mm. Um, yeah, it was. It was just really gorgeous the way there was that shift, and then it, it kind of. I don't know, it just gave the song a kind of certain energy from that point. It is, yes, it does build nicely. It has a nice or a nice oomph at yes. the end. I find it drags its feet up to that point. I always felt it was a bit sort of shuffly and felt mm, like maybe. it needed a little bit more oomph and a bit more energy to it that I thought. But the way, the way I read, interpreted that was... In the beginning, he was. It was kind of him, sort of going complaining about these chains, these chains. And then, when you get to dawn, was breaking. It's almost symbolic for the realization that yeah. these chains haven't got a padlock on them. The cage is unlocked. You can leave. So that's why the beginning was a little bit more. Mm. Um, oh, I like, and I like, I like the yeah. big noise at the end. The yeah. way it kind of becomes this sort of cacophony of yeah. sounds and music and noise and you know, um, but again in conjunction with the fact that we know H didn't leave his situation and again he could be writing about other people mm-hmm. but I think he I think he's a great one for kind of going yeah yeah it's not about me there's like 10 different layers to this song but yeah yeah so it's you know it's not about me um, but it actually is but but I may be wrong but in this instance um, I find that there's uh, a darkness to it knowing that he didn't go. He was like telling right. himself, you can. Right, you, you see, I, see, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Listening to this song gave the impression that he left. Mm. Yeah. Especially with yeah. the dawn was breaking and then all the big sounds and the violins and the guitar, the electric guitar and stuff like that. It was oh, of like, course, the violins. So I forgot about the synth violins. At yeah, all. it was like, <laughs> oh, epiphany, mm. I can leave. You just assume that he does. Yeah, but he doesn't. Mm, hearing that, yeah, it's... Now, in terms of H saying this different. isn't about him... Yes. Do you want to hear a quote from him? Sure. Thanks, Fraser. Uh, in the press release, I remember reading this at the time, or the quote, this quote at the time, and going... Because, I, I mean, how old was I in 1998? 27? 
27 coming up for yeah 27 approaching 28 um this was like oh well that's something to look forward to thanks h he said um i think with these chains and the album generally a lot of it is to do with my reaching 40 and watching my friends lives as well you're 20 and you've got your dreams and ambitions in your 30s you begin to feel like you're a proper person then when you get to the end of your 30s, it all starts to fall apart again. Oh <laughs> um, and I'm laughing because it's so bleak. And it, it, it it's... Yeah, and he said, this sudden disillusion of things you thought were solid and sorted. Now, I found that quote weird. It's, Wait, is that quote about these chains? Yeah. I'll, I'll go on to it a bit. Oh, okay. And I'll finish the rest of the quote. But I remember reading that at the time and thinking... Um, at the time, I thought, and now reading it now, I'm, I'm like even more so that he's generalising so wildly because my 20s were up and down. They, they became shite towards the end. And my 30s largely were, were absolutely diabolical. Yeah, my 30s were a nightmare. I hated my 30s. Those 10 years were the worst 10 years of my life. And then I hit my 40s and things got a lot better. Um, you know, my forties have been great. It's so, different for everyone, exactly. But he sort of the way he sort of talks. You know, you know how you know how your your thirties are great, and you, you hit your forties, and then everything goes crap. It's like, well, no, my that wasn't my experience. Right. So he was generalising, yeah. and and kind of rather than owning, he it, wasn't owning. He it. wasn't owning it, and it, even back when I was like twenty seven, I went like, mate, own that. Yeah. You know, go, this is what happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he said, one early morning I was driving through the countryside and the sun was rising on the fields and it was really beautiful. He said, I thought this is the one thing they can't take from you. Jesus. Um, they can take your house. Ooh, that's so sad. I know. They can take your house. People can leave you. But there's something going on here and it's for everyone. And I thought a lot of our perceptions of what we need are misplaced. Ironic choice of word. Um, like in that song, the themes, these chains are all your own, this cage was unlocked all the time. The chorus sort of sums up the album and links the personal statement of something like Now She'll Never Know and the little story of Three Minute Boy. They're both about people being victims of themselves or people who fail to deal with the things that are happening to them. All the albums I've done have been very personal. They're just where I am at the time. Born free, but scared to be. Mm. Born free, as free as the wind blows. I find it a weird song. It's weird structure, structurally. I've never loved it, but I've never hated it either. Mm. Yeah, it's inoffensive. Yeah, it's a weird song. And, it's a and weird, it was a single. It's a really weird What did you think of it as a single? At the I time? thought it wasn't the best choice. Okay. Uh, and on top of that, where it's placed in the album, it seems to disappear. It's sort of does a bit. Here's what it is, but it, it works. I mean, I think lyrically it works where it's placed, but musically, yes, it does disappear. It's kind bit. of too similar to Three Minute Boy musically, mm. uh, but not as good. Born to run. Baby, I was born, born to run. I wish this song had a different title. Why? Because when I hear Born to Run, oh. I think of Bruce Springsteen. And this is, it's just, and then it's like, oh, no, it doesn't go like that. And then I feel disappointed. So I want this song to be renamed, please. Run to Born. That's better. The Born Ultimatum. <laughs> Have you ever heard Frankie Goes to Hollywood's cover of Born to Run? No. I love it. 
Really? It's the first first version I ever heard of it. I, I heard that before I heard Bruce Springsteen's version. Um, my brother-in-law, who was an airline steward, mm. for, I know you know that. Um, I was telling the listener. <laughs> uh, he uh, brought me home a bootleg copy of um, uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Welcome to the Pleasure Dome from some faraway land. And it was on there. He also he used to bring me bootleg albums all the time. What you'd get on there, aside from some weird track track listings, uh, you'd get random tracks on there that were like from other people's albums. Like I always thought, oh. there's this. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I can't remember the song. There's a Sid Barrett Pink Floyd song that was stuck on in the middle of my version of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Um, wow. <laughs> my my version of Iron Maiden's Power Slave had a couple of like random songs stuck on there that, that weren't on the original Still album. Still by Iron Maiden. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. they didn't throw in random artists. Not as far as I know. I know some bits were missing from my version of Welcome to the um, Pleasure Dome by Frank Goes Hollywood. But anyway, Born to Run was on there and it was great. Oh, we'll have to listen to it. We will, won't we? So, Born to Run, what do you think this song's about, Sanya? This was tough. I was, I'm not sure what it's about. And the guess is that it's about a gloomy small town, maybe the town that H comes from, and also about the contrast of coming back to this town after travelling the world and having so many different life experiences and going through so many changes, coming back to this small town where so little has changed and happened and knowing that these are your roots and this is where you came from. And it's about that that kind of contrast, I suppose. But I'm not sure what these lyrics mean. And yet bound together and hopelessly in love with the inevitable loss and the end, how can we run from ourselves? So I don't know if that's... So another, another, another guess was that he's going back to his town for a funeral... And then the third guess is how can we run for ourselves is going back to the town where you grew up in and sort of going, this is who I am. This is where I came from. Why am I'm living this other life pretending that I'm this high flying city boy. You can't run from who you are, but this is where I come from. Mm. You're pretty much right. Oh, yeah. I mean, H says, uh, I was thinking of the north of England and the little working class towns, one of which I grew up in and about people who run away from their roots, people who go, God, I'm getting out of here and run away and try to make a bigger life or a better life for themselves and travel and experience the world. At the end of the day, if you deny your roots, the day will come where you realise you are actually nonetheless a a product of where you grew up and how you grew up and you can't run from that because it runs with you. So I was trying to say that this is the kind of culture, the kind of background that I ran away from from and rejected. And yet having rejected it and having run so far, and although in many ways I'm an antithesis of the culture I grew up in, we're bound together by that sort of common heritage and I can't run from it. But what does um, with the inevitable loss mean? Yet bound together and hopelessly in love with the inevitable loss. I don't know. Funny, isn't it? Mm. A weird thing to say. A weird man. <laughs> oh, he's a lovely man. He's a lovely man. I'm sorry if I've been hard on him in this yeah. episode. Um, but I know you love him, so it's you know, it's okay. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. You'll get that reference later on. Um, musically, where you're musically, at with this. Love it. Love the bluesy sound of the song. It's love a blues the song. Lully, yeah. lulling, slower pace. Love. I love how H's voice sounds in it. it there's just sort of... 
I couldn't find the right words. It's a late night smoky blues song. Mm. What is interesting Beautiful. though, it pretends to be a blues song, but apparently it uses chords that the blues generally don't use. Oh, uh, so it's faux blues. It's faux blues. It's like... Uh, it's uh, teal. Flues. What's something else that seems like blue, but it's not? Duck egg. <laughs> the sea. No, it's duck egg blue. The sea. You're not even Teal's listening to me, are you? Blue. The sea looks... Looks blue, but it's transparent. Thank you for finally acknowledging me here as I was having a little conversation with myself. And, and the listeners. <laughs> and the listening listeners, they're listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, it's a fake blue song, but it does. They have that lovely sort of smoky late night. Mm, smoky, thing. smoky, smoky. And his club. voice sounds smoky. It's, it's just. Yeah, it's kind of muttered almost, mm. mutter singing. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you, my favourite thing in it. <laughs> mutter singing. <laughs> Well, he is. He's sort well, of like... We don't give them. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> Not sure that's accurate. So he... Um, my favourite thing musically in it is the keyboards in the background. There's this really lovely, subtle organ line mm. that goes through it. As much as I love the guitar in it, this is, you know, Brothers Will increasingly sort of you know i suppose there's a bit of a link to like enlightened on um the next album and one fine day on this strange engine it sort of feels mm. like it's a part with those songs yeah. but it's better because here they're clearly ripping off shamelessly abraham martin and john which prior to this album coming out they've been playing live oh, right. <laughs> uh, let's not pretend otherwise everyone well, this it was, works. This is them going, Do you know oh. what? It works. So that's fine. Uh, also, let's just mention Rother's electric guitar solo at around three minutes. Yes. That's it's sublime. Beautiful. Sublime. There it, you go. Lovely sublime solo yeah. in this. And Gorgeous. Like, so good. It, it shows he's a, you know, he can do the blues as well as he can lots of other things the pogs so i mean yeah i i don't know it's it's another song that i absolutely love on this album same, even though same. even though it's a million miles from prog and a million miles yes. from what they've done before but as a song as itself it's lovely yes yeah sorry if anyone doesn't like it but i do and sorry to everyone else who loves cathedral wall which i know a lot of you do because sanya and i really don't like this song sorry Look, in order to give it a fair chance, I have listened to it several times since the last time we recorded. Me too. I've been trying. I've been trying. War- I've warmed to it a tiny I've, bit. Me too. I have warmed to it a tiny bit. I'm going to take the badge of mini steamer off of it. Oh, so I don't no think longer, it's a steamer. It's, no, no, it wasn't a steamer. It was like a mini steamer before. But it's it's losing that and it's it's being promoted to it's okay but i'll probably still skip it for me was with was with the steamer aka the song holidays in eden that felt like it was a song that got away from them and Mm. just was never ended up being what they wanted it to be i don't think that's the case with cathedral wall i think this is exactly what they intended it to be and it it holds together as a song which is why it's better yeah and it isn't a steamer. oh it, yeah it's way better and they kind of set it's out way better they than clearly set out and they said let's write a john barry-esque bond theme or you know our version of goldfinger or or whatever and they they succeed in that it, yeah and i was trying to figure out why i didn't like it it came down to first of all it sounded like 
a wall of noise. Well, yeah, quite and literally at the end when he yeah. sort of does that ding a ding a ding a ding a ding a ding a ding and exactly. eight screaming. Even just the start sounded so aggressive that it it was agitating. I so I don't mind the quieter bits of the song. There's something about it that I find a bit sickly. Mm, yes. It's like a sort yes. of like it's um a song that instills nausea. Yes, it's of, agitating. But I think that's what they were going this for. Probably is what they were going for. Which is why I think it, it it's kind so you of give su- them artistic credit. Yeah, it's kind of, so it's consequently I sort of find it successful as a song. True. But I don't love it because no. it's I It's I, not it's not a terrible song. It's not a bad song. It's just a, a question of personal taste. It's uneasy. It's an it's uneasy, uneasy yeah, song. Yeah, that's it. It is uneasy. But that's Which not it what could I like. Be, it's personal no. taste. It's one of those songs yeah. that I don't I, I, I find it hard to go this song didn't succeed as a song, but but I'm happy to concede it's just not to my personal yeah. taste. But anyway, what do you want? What do you think it's about? Well, I've already told you it's about insomnia. Well, okay, yeah, you ruined it for me. I wouldn't have guessed that. I un- said I, I had no idea what it's about, apart from obviously a cathedral wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about renovations to a cathedral. Oh, there you yeah. go. It's like raising money yeah. for his local cathedral. Oh, that's to, it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How did I not see that? It's got a GoFundMe yeah, link at the end. He sings, oh, it? he sings it. www.gofundme.com. No, like a subliminal GoFundMe message. <laughs> That you can only, it goes into your subconscious. Yeah. You can only hear it, like, with special technology. Okay, um, that's weird. Yeah, I said my only guess would be that it's written from the perspective of a homeless person who sleeps under the shelter of the cathedral wall. And I, and I know that's wrong. That is wrong. That's so wrong, isn't it? Mm, but is it? It's interesting you should say that, because where was H at the time in his life? You want me to tell you exactly... From the horse's mouth, that H's mouth, <laughs> what it's about. He says it's a song about insomnia. Quite a lot of what's on this album consists of words that have come out quite a painful period in my life. No shit, Sherlock. He says, I'm coming through now, but I'm nearly there. Uh-oh. Uh, awkward. Um, <laughs> You're so disrespectful. <laughs> oh, just, look, what's the point of me even You're trying? You're so irreverent. <laughs> What's the point of you even trying what? To to uh, ingratiate myself with the Meridian organisation. <laughs> oh so you're just going the opposite way. I want them to give us special privileges. I don't think this is the right way to go about that. <laughs> I think I think that's not the <laughs> you're on the wrong path, mate. If that's what your destination oh, is. But it's not. It, it's, I can't help it. <laughs> you're reading his quote and then you're saying like, "No shit, Sherlock." <laughs> An awkward. I don't know. Let's hope that they 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 just. So you don't think we're going to get special awful. privileges? No. I had a bad couple of years, and I went through a point where I wasn't sleeping at all. Cathedral Wall is about insomnia, and that also turns up in these chains. And now she'll never know. All those songs are inspired by the same kind of pain. Cathedral Wall came about on one particular night. I was lying there in the small hours of the morning, still having not managed to sleep, and I suppose more out of exhaustion. <laughs> You're laughing. Wow. I'm not. I'm Paul not. Rose. I was thinking oh, about my dream that I had last night. I actually am. So you're reading a quote from him and not even paying attention to it. You're thinking about your dream. Look. Was your dream about a cathedral wall? No. I'll was t- your dream about insomnia? No, I'll tell you what it was about. What was it about? We found this place that sold secondhand cars like really cheap. Like we're talking like sort of 20, 30 quid for a secondhand car. Mm. And they had... Um, yeah, but I also had there like a full-size Thomas the Tank Engine. 
was 30 quid and I thought I quite like that and I thought how am I going to get it home how does that relate <laughs> poor does. H poor H is talking about a really difficult period in his life when he wasn't sleeping at all you haven't even finished his quote and you're off daydreaming about a giant top Thomas the Tank Engine it was a bit rusty but it was anyway I suppose uh, having not managed to sleep and I suppose more out of exhaustion than anything else my mind wandered off and I found myself in this place. Are you doing it again? I'm sorry, I've got the giggles. The, what were you thinking about this time? It's still the Thomas the Tank Engine. I found myself in... This is why his mind wandered, just in case you've lost track, anyone. I found myself in this place and I was lying on the soil outside with my head touching the wall of an enormous church. <laughs> so not, I don't know why I'm oh, laughing. Rose, what is going on I don't today? know, I've lost it. What's going on with you? <laughs> if you find if you find churches amusing, do you? Well, I was thinking if I like looked up and I was like looking up at Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, uh, anyway, so, so I was looking up at the stones and beyond them into the sky of this building that stretched up into the moonlight. I wasn't dreaming it; I was just imagining it. Okay, uh, but it was very vivid. I could actually feel the dampness of the stones and smell the soil, and then gradually I began to feel removed from everything, and I went to sleep. It's basically a song saying how uh, the cathedral wall can be a, a lullaby. Well, what? He's using the cath- imagining a cathedral wall. It was his comfort place. Yeah, he's, he's, he said on subsequent nights I would go there on purpose to find some kind of peace. Um, it's interesting that it's a cathedral, which is traditionally a place of sanctuary, because it wasn't actually a conscious thought process that took me there. Considering it's a song about. A lullaby, basically, or using... Why do you keep saying a lullaby? A lullaby helps you get to sleep. Yeah, but a lullaby is a is as a, a song, song as well. not as opposed... To, I don't okay. think you could go... Considering... You wouldn't look at a cathedral and go, look at that lovely lullaby. <laughs> Con- <laughs> you know, like, considering... Look at that lullaby. And Con- the, the, okay, the considering bishop it's a song the... about... <laughs> would go, what? Counting sheep. Yeah. Effectively. Yes. Then why is the sound of it so agitating? Unless weird, that's meant to be the sound of the insomnia. The noise in your head that stops you relaxing. Yeah, it's surprising. It, it, it's not a softer song. It's a song that feels like it's written musically mm. to be peaceful and, and safe. Maybe that's deliberate because that that you know, that would be the insomnia. Th- this is a that man would represent insomnia. This really is a man well. who is every night imagining a big church to make himself go to sleep. All right, big giant Thomas the Tank Engine. I didn't imagine it. I dreamt it. Different. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't lay there thinking of a big Thomas the Tank Engine because that would be mental. <laughs> the last track on the album is A Few Words for the Dead. Oh. Right, go. What's this about, Sonia? All right. Oh, look, do we even need to analyse what this is about? It's a song of two parts. The first part is going, oh, let's get revenge. Let's. Well, I'm, I'm, okay, let's, I'm glad, glad I wrote all these notes then. Let's strike down our enemies. Yes. Uh, and let's not turn the other cheek. Let's punch them in their cheek. Um, and then it breaks into Meridian's version of All You Need Is Love. That's it. Yeah. That's that's what the song's about. And it's freaking great. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I feel exactly, I feel the opposite about this song as I, I did with Cathedral Wall. Mm. It's um, it's one of my top tier Marillion songs. Me too. Like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's, I couldn't it's stop it, listening to it yesterday. It's so good. You know, you can listen to it 50 times and it's still as, as Best good song as on the album time. and one of their best songs. It's 
it's a work of art and it's masterfully put together. It's just got that created. gorgeous build. It's epic. It's, I mean, it's literally it's a song of two parts. It's five, yeah. five minutes before it really kicks in. It's two minutes before he even starts singing. Yeah, you've got the um, the Native American stuff. Oh, I love it. I stuff, love it. The chanting, it. the war drums. The tribal uh, bells. It's 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 what I always want Marillion to do more yeah. of, which is sometimes just sit back a bit, yeah. just let the music breathe. breathe. And it's almost Vangelis-like here. Uh, but when H does start singing... I don't know. It's 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 song gives me goosebumps. Mm, me too. And then what it becomes is gone from this sort of really atmospheric, Vangelisy sort of build, and then goes into this amazing pop song, really, mm. which is what it becomes at the end. That you know, all you could love. The first time he sings it, it's soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't. It just doesn't go big. It's almost away. thrown away. Yeah, yeah. It's just this tiny soft comment, like the ideas gradually coming to him. Yeah, and then. Space, 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 and then it comes in with the whole yeah bang. It's it's a it's a oh it's oh, one it's of their just best. amazing, and it's such a Marillion-y sentiment. You know, yeah. we kind of go it's, yeah, pure ancient at his most hippiest yeah state. We kind of go, oh, they only write songs about death and water, but they also write songs about love a yeah. lot. And we we're talking going back to the fish era. They here. do. Yeah, they write songs about love. Do you know? Can I tell you my favourite mm. um, lyrics in the song? Is it, is it? Is it? Pick up your weapon, give it, marry it, give it your name, find yourself by it, take it down the disco. <laughs> no, is that is, yours? No, because it's it's silly, but it's fun. It's a funny lyric. But it, I get, I get what he means. I get yeah, the sentiment yeah, yeah, yeah. in that. No, yeah. it's somewhere in history you were wronged. Raise your children to bang the drum. Yeah, yeah, and then like the drum how, bangs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, boom, all the little sounds. It's so layered. The sounds in it are so layered. There's so many tiny little sounds that you you have you can't really hear on the first go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like water dripping. But a lot and... of that, a lot of that is down to Mike Hunter's remix. Don't forget. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I see. It's, it's, okay, it's apologies. Still everyone, there on the everyone, original, go and listen to Mike Hunter's remix because it's absolutely the drama in it is phenomenal. The rain, by the way, was recorded at the Racket Club. Was it? It's real rain. It's not off a sound effects record. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's a song about and the appreciate way that, what's around you as well. Yeah, because he talks about um, when we're in the second half, in the, the hippie half, lie down in the flowers, in the blue of the air, open your eyes. Why, is you, why use up your life for anything else? No need to fight for what everyone has. What do you need? It's already there. It's already there. You mm, could love. Lovely. Like, just, in, like, you know, enjoy the beauty in the world. Yeah. Look at the flowers. Look at the sky. The, I mean, it's the sad thing about this song is that it's still relevant, tragically relevant, but you yeah. know, 20 yeah, yeah, yeah. years later. So I mean, what what an end to the album though. It it oh, almost feels absolutely. like it doesn't fit on the album. Weirdly, yeah. uh, it almost feels like it's sort of off a different record. Every musician on the album gets to shine in in yeah. It's because one of there's those. you know there's the bass riff at around three and a half minutes. That's amazing. There, it's just like everything. Everyone gets to have. It's one of those Marillion songs best. where you kind of go, "This is the band at their peak, at of their best, their powers." All of yeah. them at their best. Yeah, it's yeah. not just you know. Few of the other songs were stripped back, so yeah. you only had 
the guitar and I can't remember what you said. Mm. What was on? I can't remember the name of the song. <laughs> the one that Pete plays on. Yeah. Now she'll never know. You know, you know that your second favorite song on the album. <laughs> remember that one? Remember your second favorite song on the well, album? Okay, now she'll never we, know. So we only had like the guitar. What else did we have? A bit of keyboard. Yeah. But very quietly. Yeah, minimalist. Minimalist. Yeah. Because this is maximalist. Whereas this is yeah. maximalist. Yeah. It really works. And it's great live, considering it takes oh ages goodness. to get going. But that's all building atmosphere. Yeah. Oh, and building yeah. the tension in the song. It's te- oh, you've hit the nail on the head. It's a song that has... A- it's no, it, the it's first half, stretched. Yeah, it's the stretched first half tight. builds tension, and then he comes in with "All You Can Love," and then "All You Can Love," and that's the release of the yeah. tension and this explosion. Yeah, it is. It's like a elastic band snapping back. Yeah, doing, and then "All You Can Love." So it was. I think I said uh, some of this at the start, which was so long ago. It was a kind of a turning point album for me, I, and it was a. I had a complicated relationship with it, mm. but. It acclimatised me to Marillion being different every time. Right, which and is that, important. And that idea that they've said that every album's a reaction to the, the last, mm. which is weird that I didn't kind of go that way after the Holidays in Eden to Brave to Afraid of Sunlight trip of Whammy. Because then each time I kind of went, well, so Holidays Need to Brave, I thought, no, 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 that's just a course correction. <laughs> that's not them right. reacting to Holidays Need. And that's just, right. them, just, just them getting things right. And Afraid of Sunlight for me sounded, even though it does sound very different to Brave, I don't know, it still sounded sort of had that same sort of grown-upness to it that, that felt like it wasn't a million light years from mm. Brave. It felt like the same band. Whereas here, with the exception of H's vocals, it doesn't sound like the same band at all. This sounds like, you know, Rothers sounds completely different on this. Even Mark's mm. using slightly different keyboard sounds, much more sort of organy sounds here. Yeah, you know, they are trying to sound younger. They are trying to sound rockier. Yeah, I think I was then kind of more open to the idea that whatever comes next is going to sound different to this. Mm. Unfortunately, what did come next did sound different to this, and unfortunately it was Marillion.com. You're not really setting... A high bar, high bar, low no, bar, high expectations. You're setting a low, really low bar. For well, let's it. see what you think of it. I mean, there's stuff on there that I know you like. Mm-hmm. Goes on there. I know you like that. Mm-hmm. But we'll deal with that in a Sorry, few weeks. Sorry, can I just interrupt you? And this is a bit off topic. So, but it, it's in relation to you saying how radiation got you used to the fact that each album was going to be different. Yeah. And saying that each album is a reaction to the previous album this is what they've said yeah so the latest album we've had is fear Fear, or long songs Mm -hmm. will the next one be short songs we'll find out won't we back to radiation back to radiation (laughs) yeah so i I maintain that this is their midlife crisis album but it works but well yeah like a lot of midlife crises yeah you have to go through them and sometimes they're a lot of fun (laughs) definitely and I think it is as an album uh, and I think it's a better album overall than this Strange Engine yeah do you know what I would agree it's a more consistent album I Mm -hmm. think overall it feels really like a a whole let's leave it there we've talked a lot yes we have so that was Radiation everyone Uh, the next album as you've heard that we cover is going to be Meridian.com that's going to be a couple of weeks away Uh, we would like to get all your letters in for Radiation now, if we could, so send them to bianpod at gmail.com. 
Go follow us on Twitter and Facebook at BeyondPod. Why not support the podcast financially with a mere donation of one US dollar a month or less annually? And what you get for that is bonus episodes, which you try and do those once or every other week or whatever. The last two weeks, I've had one a week. You get the podcast early and also you get to sleep knowing that you have supported a small business like ourselves not really a business i suppose we are we do lots of different things yeah which you'll also see on our patreon which um most of them are quite unfortunate so i'm really sorry about that but anyway that is patreon.com slash mr biffo m-r-b-i-f-f-o and just spread the word tell people about us yeah leave us a review on itunes stroke apple Podcasts, whatever it's called tell people you like us and that we're worth listening to that's it that's it all right everyone next week i'm not sure what we're doing letters don't know normally we have a gap before we do the letters on an album but maybe we will do them next week and then something a gap because it's basically to give you time to, to listen, listen to, to com. so we might be letters next week but there'll be something else the week after with tbc I had a few, i've had a few ideas everyone stay safe thanks for listening thanks to for us. listening and putting up with, <laughs> with all our